Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Evening. When, um, when Ron asked me to speak on money, I went, um, oh, okay. And then um, now I've told you, you're thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> so let's go into this together with all the energy we can muster. Uh, money's really tricky to talk about because it's private and it's personal and we don't think we should be really talking about it. Um, we shouldn't be asking questions about it. Uh, so a bit like a woman's age, we will tiptoe about asking about it now, possibly wearing head protection. <laughs> the format for this evening, so you know when to wake up, when to fall asleep, we're going to tell you a story. Then I'm going to tell you about a bloke called Solomon. Then I'm going to tell you about a bloke called Jesus. You may have heard of him. And then I'm going to talk about the early church. And then I'm going to talk about pineapples. So if that's all right with you, let's just go for it. <clears throat> See what happens. Can I have the slide of the next one? There she is. So this is Jane Park. I mean, she was 17. She won one million pounds in the uh, Euro million lottery. So she's 17 years old. And the first thing she did was she bought a little dog. That was the first thing she bought. And the second thing, presumably, was um, a handbag to carry it in, like you have to. Uh, four years later, she'd got two Range Rovers, no, two houses, a Range Rover, and two enhancements, shall we say. And um, she then mentions that it had made her life ten times worse, not the enhancements, I think she's talking about the money. So, but this, this amount of money just made her life uh, really tricky. And she says this, at times it feels like winning the lottery has ruined my life. I wish I had no money most days. I say to myself, my life would be so much easier if I hadn't won. And even though the, the lottery in the UK offered financial advice for her to help her sort herself out, uh, she still um, says that it, the stress of it all, absolute stress of it, has ruined her life. So funnily, funnily enough, she's now taking legal action against the Euro lottery. Presumably she'll get some sort of financial payout, putting her back into the position she's trying to escape. Probably needs to think this through a little bit more. So it seems to me that having lots and lots of money, not that I do, is as problematic as having very little. And um, what we're going to read now, we're going to start with Proverbs 22, verse 7, which says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, what's this all about then? So Solomon, um, he was a king of Israel uh, 950 years before Jesus, so we're talking 3,000 years ago, a long time. Um, he was really wealthy, he was really powerful. He built the first temple in Jerusalem. The second one, which Jesus would have visited, was built on the same site many years later. Um, and he wrote Proverbs, certainly the, third, the first 30 chapters, um, for instruction for people to impart his wisdom and the things that he'd observed and his understanding of the world and what he saw. And in these ancient times, farmers would rent the land from the king and from, and from royalty and from very rich people, and they would farm it, they would give some of that back to, for, as rent, 
and it was all working absolutely perfectly fine until the harvest fails. And then what happens then? So you then have to borrow. You go off to some wealthy guy, another landowner, who's very happy to give you his money because he knows that if you fail and the harvest fails and you can't pay him, you could take your land, you could end up in prison, all sorts. And, and not, not joking, it, it's a bit like going to a loan shark in that desperate time when you've got no option, what do you do? It's the equivalent of that. So you certainly were a slave to the lender. So first thing to say before we really crack into it, owing money is not wrong, thank goodness, because we owe a bit. So it isn't wrong. And, and sometimes it's the only option if you're borrowing 20 quid because you're a bit short that month. Or, for example, if we could have the next slide, for sort of moving, moving forward in life is... Sorry, that's... Um, there he is. Look, that was Solomon. I should have said that earlier. Um, that's not a real picture, I don't think. Um, next one. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so, for example, sometimes we have to borrow to get on in life. So if you're a student, you'd do well to come out of university with a debt of less than 30 grand, you'd be doing all right. Um, and the average UK mortgage uh, is about 120,000. And if you're in London, around here, it's about, people owe about 215,000. It's just taken out a mortgage. Uh, welcome aboard. Um, <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's stressful, there's, there's money there. But interestingly, Jesus' mission needed funding as well. It didn't happen out of nothing. And Nadine is going to read our first um, section of verses from Luke. So it's Luke 8, 1 to 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had, been, had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping it to support them out of their own means. Thank you. Um, yeah, can we have the next slide, please? So Jesus is going about his ministry for the three years before his crucifixion and resurrection. <laughs> He's traveling around. It says in the scripture there that he, he was being funded by various people, including these three women, um, plus others, um, uh, one of which is Joanna. And we learn that Joanna is the wife of Chaza, which is like a proper EastEnders name, isn't it? I reckon it's like Chaza. Um, probably the best name in the Bible, in my view. Um, so Chaza was, um, if we could have the next slide, that's right. So Chazza's married to Joanna. And then the next one, he worked for Herod's household. Okay, so he would um, have access to money. He would be responsible for looking after it. Um, and Herod would let him just manage the whole estate. This estate was huge. Um, they, so he was very powerful. There was loads of land and guards, servants, etc. So he's a, guy, a really powerful guy, had access to money, and he would share that with his wife, Joanna, who would then feed it back into the ministry of Jesus to fund, to fund this. And if we could, yeah, so the next slide shows brilliantly that this rad radical message of Jesus, totally counterintuitive to the one Herod is on about, Herod is actually funding that, and I think that's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, I love it. Ah, I love that sort of thing. Right, 
So Jesus is funded by gifts that he doesn't have to repay. We've received gifts at birthdays and Christmas, and we hopefully don't have to repay them. But when we borrow, we do have to repay, and there's a cost to that. Um, and we, we hopefully can afford it, and we're responsible about how much we take out and all the rest of it. But sometimes life just smacks you in the face and hits you with various challenges that, uh, that throw at you. And it's not always easy to that to stay affordable. You can really put a challenge and a stress on life. It becomes very stressful. Things in life like um, bereavement, um, relationship breakdowns, um, being scammed of all your money. You read these horrible stories of you know, more elderly people and their savings are gone. What happens then? Things become really tight, really stressful. Um, when I was made um, uh, redundant a few years back, we were, I was sent off packing with three months' salary, and I know that lots of people don't even have that. So we had three months' salary, and it was a bit, it was a bit scary, if I'm honest with you. It was very stressful. Um, and um, I'd had a bit of warning that the redundancy was coming, so I could plan a bit, did a bit of planning, and it, it worked out all right. I had to obviously dip into it, and, but um, we got ourselves on track quite quickly. But man, it was really stressful. Everything had suddenly gone, and that, that security blanket that you thought, okay, there's that salary coming in at the end of every month, had suddenly, had suddenly disappeared. Um, so planning was, was really key. Alex, would you mind coming up to read the next passage? We're jumping about. We're going to do three or four different passages, and it will all link together brilliantly. So this passage is from Luke 14, verses 28 to 30. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying... This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Thank you. So here, this parable that Jesus is saying is about, is about planning ahead. Um, and it's about not looking, not looking a fool. He's saying this guy who's building this tower in his field, probably vineyard or something like that. Um, how foolish are you going to look when everyone's staring at it going, it's, it's not finished, what's, what's going on? Um, a bit like when you're getting grand designs and you, you see the last 10 minutes and you go back and you're ever so disappointed because they haven't quite finished it all. And you say, oh, I just want to see it. I want to see what it, what it looks, looks like. And these examples of not planning are really cool. So um, there's this one, which is, which is probably, something, probably something I'd end up doing. Um, <laughs> so, and then there's the next one as well, which is great. <laughs> it's so good as well and, um, and the next one my favourite <clears throat> you really don't want that happening do you you really don't <laughs> but if you when we don't plan um, money stress can become a bit too much and it can just, just tip you over, over the edge into this uh, uh, tricky old place so we need to plan to get unstuck so that's what we're going to be doing. We're looking at this at the moment. And there are some amazing organizations that can help us get out of debt and help us um, just get, help us generally. There's one of them is called The Church. I don't know if you've heard it. It's about this brilliant movement of Christians that are all over the world. And um, they help each other and they help other people and they show the love 
of, of God to other people practically. And uh, it's a brilliant movement, so yeah, get involved. <laughs> but within the church, there are other organisations as well, one of which is CAP. Um, so yeah, I don't, maybe you've, you've heard of it, but uh, we've got some really strong ties with, with CAP here as well at St Saviour's, um, and they do some amazing work. Um, working people who are just struggling and money's tight and it all feels a bit overwhelming um, and how do, we, how do we get out of that, etc. So uh, two years ago, um, Tracy and I were, were looking at our accounts and going, wonder, wonder where the money's all going. We sort of did the budgeting and thought, well, we should be all right at the end of every month. What on earth is going on? So we looked at the, we looked at the account in a bit more detail and um, it, it turned out that it was all the bits from Tesco, all the little trips, because I work from home, I'm quite often sent to Tesco's to go and um, get various bits, you know, a bit of lettuce or something and a cucumber and none of it. I don't eat any of that stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, so I often get, and it just added up, and it really added up. So CAP had this method, it's this cash method. So after all the mortgage has gone out and all the bills and the fuel and food, etc., we take out a couple of weeks' cash, we think, right, that's our budget. When it's gone, it's gone. And it, it usually works pretty well, <laughs> mostly. Um, and then we repeat that for the next two weeks. And it really helps us, so we know roughly we're okay. That's, that works brilliantly until your cat knocks over a vase um, of water all over your um, router, Wi-Fi router at home, and you have to go out and buy another one, So, which was happening. That was last week's little one, wasn't it? So that, that threw us a bit. But the cash methods really helped us out. Um, uh, we feel a little bit more in control. At least we've got a rough idea about you know, what, what's in there and what isn't, etc. So we've become less stretched and we feel a little bit less, um, less stressed. So similarly to getting unstuck, there are some amazing initiatives um, about helping others, um, about planning to get stuck in. So this is the, the next slide. So we're looking at um, getting unstuck, but then we can also get stuck in. And again, there's some brilliant initiatives around how you can get stuck in. One of them is called The Church. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a brilliant organization. Uh, there's Christians all around the world, and they help each other, and they show the love of Jesus uh, practically. Fantastic organization, and you can just get plugged into that and start helping other people. So you become less stressed, you free yourself up a little bit, and you can get involved. So, Tracy, could you come and read Acts 4, verse 34? The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace wasn't all of them. And so it turns out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. Thank you. I love this. It's such, a, <clears throat> such an amazing picture of, of God's love, God's family, showing practical love for one another. Um, you know, what a community, but what a challenge to us about seeing money as a gift and something that we can use for other people as well, that we can bless other people with it 
and that it can bring opportunities for us to show God's love in ways that we could never imagine. At St. Saviour's, there's a number of stuff here that's going on. Obviously, we've got, we've got our food bank and we've got our community lunches and we've got stuff going on in schools and we've got our amazing pastoral team and our prayer teams and all those that just listen to you and, can, and point you in the right direction and so we support one another. The most amazing thing recently was when Tabitha's husband, Mark, uh, passed away really suddenly a few weeks ago and that was, was a massive shock to us all. Um, and they, they were struggling to afford the funeral. And as a church, we could have said, uh, I've got a really good number of someone you can um, go to this bank. They're really good. The rates are good. You can go and borrow, borrow some cash from them. Um, that will tide you over and they'll, they'll sort you out. But we didn't do that. We, we said, we're going to come together. We're going to pay. And we all chipped in, those that could afford it. And what an amazing, what a beautiful thing to do. Absolutely amazing. Um, next slide, please. So as our lives sort of begin to move away from being stuck and not being overstretched, if we can, and we begin to move towards getting stuck in, what happens is we all begin to support each other a lot more. We're freer to do that and we're less stressed as we do that. And these amazing new opportunities happen and God can really work in that area in the middle. Amazing things can happen. When Christopher Columbus's crew uh, found their, their first pineapple in 1493, I wasn't joking when I was talking about pineapples, by the way. They, um, they saw them and um, they brought them back, but they were really difficult to transport. They were quite costly um, to cultivate as well. They were hard, they were hard to grow. Um, and um, only really uh, royalty could afford to buy them because in the 17th century, one pineapple would cost you about £5,000. Um, quite a bit, isn't it? Quite a bit. It's only a bit of fruit. I don't eat this either. <laughs> they, um, in the 17th century, they would display them until they, they went rotten. So it was like, look how wealthy I am. I can afford a pineapple and I can watch it rot. That's how, that's how much money I've got. Amazing, really amazing. And then um, in the 18th century, uh, there apparently there was a pineapple craze. And um, brilliant. The, the aristocrats would um, have these special evenings where they would read poetry about pineapples and song. Um, man, it must have been an evening. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's go to that. Um, and sa just savouring a mouthful of, of pineapple would be the highlight of your year. Um, well, it is mine, to be honest. Um, so we got, we got just ridiculous, really, how, how wealthy you had to be to afford a pineapple. Now, of course, that one was a pound from, from Tesco's. Um, and, um, and they've devalued. Um, but the pineapple hasn't changed. It's not changed flavour or anything, as far as I'm aware. Um, and it's just become a bit rubbish. Um, like, uh, like a 1970s party kind of thing, you know. It's, uh, it's, um, it's just become a bit naff. But nothing's really changed about the pineapple. Um, but the, it's only the value in our minds that's changed about it. So it's just become nothing to us now. What? Tell the class. 
It's a melon in foil. They did it. I was asleep. More <clears throat> <laughs> fruit, yeah, exactly. Um, you're welcome to help yourself to that. It's lovely cheese and pineapple for after. A little palate cleanser. <laughs> or we could watch it rot. I don't mind. <laughs> but it got me thinking, if this has now become so meaningless and valueless, how much time do we spend on the stuff uh, and time and energy into buying things that push us to the edge of possibly what can we, we can afford, only for them just to become worthless in a few years' time? And it, it's, just, it's a challenge to me, because I love technology, for example, and that's, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Do we put undue stress on our lives by chasing them? Because I do. That's a, probably a big, a big area of stress. And are there areas of our finances where we can plan to reduce stress? So actually be getting on with this planning idea, not just let life happen to you, but be a little bit more, okay, well, what do we want? Let's plan. Let's get a mortgage. So instead, we could begin to be more and more of a community that we already are, uh, that looks after each other, that seeks God, and that begins to see that there is need amongst us, and that begins to free ourselves up to meet that need, to be like that church in Acts. Because God sees the real value in relationships, not pineapples, not stuff that we chase after. Let's pray. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.